Welcome to Unabashed You, conversations to become who you already are. The focus at UI is to be who you are without apology, for you are one of a kind, without equal. Be encouraged as these conversations will help you think, celebrate who you are, and move you in some way. Your companion to the whimsy and beauty of the human spirit, Rochelle Condi now. Today's Believe Conversation is with Lindsay Heinrich. We got reacquainted recently, and because of our subsequent fulfilling get-to-know-you conversation, I invited her on the show. I'm deeply moved by people who show up confident in themselves and create a safe space for you to do the same. Lindsay is such a person. We talk about embracing the imperfect of each person, including yourself, then offering grace. Here's a fun fact. Recently, I ran into Lindsay and her husband at Piotti, one of our favorite restaurants. We hadn't seen them in a long time. We'd gone to the same church, although we didn't know each other well. Here was our opportunity. We got together for coffee the following week and started getting to know each other. The timing was perfect. Welcome to the show, Lindsay. Thank you. (laughs) It's wonderful to have you. Is there anything you want the listeners to know before we get started? Um, you know, I have a lot of expressions, as you probably remember from having coffee with me. Um, I feel that normal is boring. And I also feel you should never, ever, ever give up. Ooh, very good. Normal is boring. Ooh, I like that. And don't ever give up. Yes. What three words would you use to describe yourself? Well, I would say these are the words, but I would say I use these words all artistically invoked. Okay. I would say I'm undaunted. Oh, gosh. Logistical and very relational. Oh, gosh. Those are so good. Those are really good. Nobody, I don't think anybody has had undaunted or even logistical and relational, not in that way, but but maybe similar. So very unique, very unique. Well, I mean, I'm relational. Everybody's on a different level, you know, you're different places with your friends, you're in different places with the people that you love, you're in different places. So, you know, relational means you're building and it's changing and growing to me. You just don't Mm. love everyone. You, you take people in as they are, they come as they are, they're Mm. wherever they are in life. That's a great word picture. I like how you describe that. Have you ever played two truths and a lie where you say three things about yourself and I have to ferret out the thing that is not true? No, I've not done that game, but I did think about that. So, so I, three. So you're going to say three things, just right. one, two, three, right in a row. And then I'm going to see if I can kind of figure okay. it out. That'll okay. be one. All right. So should I just start? Yeah, just go. Okay. Um, I love sashimi. <laughs> I love travel. And I love long winded people. Oh, gosh. Okay, I'm setting aside I love travel. This is my thought process. I just do it out loud. I'm setting aside I love travel because I really believe you love travel. So now I'm down to sashimi or long-winded people. Okay, I'm going to say I was going to go with I love sashimi as your lie, but I'm going to say that that's true. And I'm going to say you do not like long-winded people. Absolutely. They make me crazy. (laughs) 
Okay. Don't waste my time. Now, this, when you say long-winded, are you talking about people who there's not really a, even a conversation? It's more of a monologue and they expect you to listen? Is that kind of what you mean? Exactly. And it's, um, it's not interactive. They, mm. they want to just kind of blah, here's all my information and share with you instead of, you know, to me, a good conversation is kind of like um, a ping pong game. Someone says something to you and you respond and then they say something and you respond or they respond and you kind of yes. go back and forth. And, and it's a sort of a weaving of a dance of information. And you can take all kinds of venues with that based on what they ask you or you ask them. Right. And that's a give and take. That's a give and give take. take. Yeah, not well, just, well, yeah, not well. just being an audience member who is, is, is going to just, you know, passively take in everything this person says. Right. And sometimes I feel like people just want to orate to hear themselves talk. <laughs> yes, that's so true. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Can't we do this more in a fun way? Yes. Oh, gosh. Oh, that is a really good point. And have you come up with some some way, some clever, soft, gentle way to kind of extricate yourself, either that or to finally insert some kind of a comment that will shift the whole thing? Yes. So what I like to do is um, if they're married, I like to ask them how they met. Um, If they had a significant other, I like to say, how did you meet the other person? What did it feel like? And um, and then I like to segue into, well, how do you feel about all that now? And is that a special memory for you? And usually Mm -hmm. then they have to pause and actually think. Because not many people ask them that question. And then they suddenly realize, wow, I I probably should respond and ask how you, you know, met who, you know, your spouse or whatever it is. And so that kind of, you know, it changed the the beat or the tempo uh, of the relationship and the chat. Oh, my goodness. That is that is really good advice, because. Um, you're right. There has to be a pause kind of after that, the third of the, the questions. Uh, yeah. How do you feel about that now? Mm, yeah. I like that. And, and people love to talk about themselves. And that's a way, really succinct way, because most of the stories are, you know, maybe five sentences and you get you get right to the bottom line. Right. That's very good. You, you have conducted a social experiment of sorts and come up with a very clever gentle, respectful way of, of shifting things. It, it works. <laughs> okay, we're all going to start that. Great. We're going to all start <laughs> that. One of your favorite movies of all time. One, just, you know, one of them. So, you know, first of all, because I love theater and I love art and I love the visual arts, um, that was a really tough question. And so what I did was I boiled it down to what movie really impacted me Um, and how did I think about that movie years and decades later? So Mm. my movie that I chose for this is Gone with the Wind. Oh, interesting. Okay. 1939, good three plus hours long, right? Very long, um, story of, uh, around the civil war, Mm -hmm. story of survivorship, uh, Scarlet was undaunted. (laughs) she did some things that were maybe questionable but she was able to recover she was a very clever businesswoman and most of all it was such a big screen movie I read the book before I went to see it 
I saw it with one of my young friends when we were younger. And even though there's parts in it now, because of all the unrest that we've gone through in, as a nation, but it still tells a story of how the South was. Mm. Gracious, charming, plantations, and the family meant so much. The family home meant so much. Mm-hmm. And how Scarlett suffered to save the home and do what it took to stand by her family. Mm-hmm. including killing someone who was coming into the property, mm-hmm. which I thought was bravery. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been a lot of years since I've seen that movie that we have not had that one yet in our hundred plus episodes. So thank you for, for bringing a, you know, a classic and, and uh, giving us a new look at that. Name a person that inspires you. Again, that's a really hard question. <laughs> I know, it's hard I mean, questions. Because they, these are great questions. But in most people's lives, you've probably had, you know, maybe 20 people in different parts of your journey that have met so much to you or that helped you in a, a dry spell or that, you know, walked with you when you were going through something that was important in your life. And so to answer the question, I went back to my favorite art professor, uh, Harold Zisla, Mm. who um, is an amazing man. He's now, he was in his 90s when he passed. We had a friendship of over 40 years where I wrote him, we checked in. Uh, Not many people do that with their college professors. And Mm -hmm. I actually met him in a summer school program and he was teaching watercolors and design. He was a Mm. prolific artist. And he gave me one of the best pieces of advice and that's what inspired me. He was like, you know, Lindsay, anyone could paint, almost anyone can draw, but if you come to the table as an idea person, you will be much more successful. Mm. And you took that to heart. Yes. I took that to heart. And I passed that, what I call um, sage counsel on to other people, not only artistically, but people who, are in business, it's like, if you have the ideas, if you can come up with the logistics or the concepts to make things come together, you will be sought after and your work will be tremendous. Mm. And I think he was correct. It has changed my corporate life. It changed my artistic life. And I am very grateful to Harold Sisla. Oh, well, that... Obviously, it was very impactful for you in that you did take it to heart and you applied it to all of the different areas of your life that you've had experience in. You mentioned corporate, artistic. I know, I know uh, listeners, she, Lindsay is also very artistic, uh, you know, very talented, and we'll be including some of her paintings in the blog that accompanies her episode. I like that he gave you advice that does cover all the many areas because ideas, it it really doesn't matter what field you're in. You need ideas. Yes. And not even just in what field you're in when it comes to vocation or passion or hobby, but also in your relationships coming up with ideas, you know, could be not, you know, what to do, like, what are we doing this weekend? Or it could be, I have an idea of how, how we can communicate a little better or, you know, whatever it is, ideas are the beginning of so many things. They are. And I think that also that draws you into people because some people don't have 
have that option. They don't think like that. And that's okay. But it's important to be able to come to the table with new concepts and ways to do things that are different, um, that not everyone is doing. Right. Would you say that's the piece of wisdom you keep handy? Well, I have other little tips in my life. (laughs) But I that's one. That's one. Excuse Um, me. Yes. I think that the one thing I like to say to people when there's, you know, difficulties or your journey's a little bit of a struggle, I like to say that into every life a little rain must fall. Mm. And think that way when you're going through something, it's it's just normal. It's normal to have a, a desert season. It's normal to have a spring season. It's normal to have a season where you're euphoric. That it's just it's a journey, and so right. over life, there's a little bit of rain that comes in. It's and uncomfortable. And I like to also say when people are worried about someone or there's a relationship issue, I like to remind them that everyone has cracks in their jar. Oh. Some people are just really good at moving the jar around and and showing you the the beautiful side of the jar, the perfect side of the jar, or and and none of their imperfections. But if the truth be known, and you had like a a drone that could (laughs) hover over that (laughs) jar, you'd probably see these cute little cracks in the back or in a little flower pattern of the jar, or it's just everyone has them and. My feeling is that once you recognize that fact, it's easier to show grace. I have them. Mm. Um, you have them. Um, right. Our friends have them. Um, our spouses have them. Um, meaningful other people in your life have them. And it just creates such a more give and take and graceful relationship with that person because we all know that there's imperfection here on earth. And it's much better to recognize that than expect people to be perfect. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's, it's, I don't know what's going on with my voice today. So it's, it's, you know, starting with the, um, the truth that everybody is imperfect and everybody has their flaws, their cracks and going from there and being able to, um, recognize that we all have that so that you're right. We can offer more grace to the other and to ourselves and not, not have such high unrealistic expectations, which is a little harder to do obviously in the social media age where, you know, people tend to put their best self forward and um, you know, there's the filters and all these sorts of things, but that's, that's not the be all end all. They're, they, even they have cracks. Right. So that's exactly my point is even if you put a filter on it, your crack is still back there somewhere. <laughs> yes. You just can't see it. And it's okay. <laughs> I don't mind if people want to put their best foot forward. I think that's great. I mean, yes. You know, be strong, be who you are, um, march forward with gusto. But also remember that even people that do that, even people who say they're undaunted, have cracks, right? If you spend enough time with someone, and if they're open and real and raw with you, you eventually see their cracks, right? I I feel that makes them more precious, more enjoyable. Yes. Because they come from a place of contribution and wanting to get to know you better, which means they're willing to trust you. Mm -hmm. Trust is huge. Trust is huge. 
if you get the trust of someone, then you can do mighty mouse things together. I agree. I, I agree with everything you've said. And I, and I do agree that, you know, you want to put your best foot forward. I, I guess I, I get concerned about the young women in particular, and I'm, I'm sure young men have this too, but the comparison mode, you know, like, oh, but they look, they're so this, that, and the other. But you're right. They have to remember that just because they can't see the cracks does not mean they're not there. They are there. Right. And the social media is wonderful for communication and so many wonderful benefits from all of that. But I, I feel there's so much pressure put on people to have that same facade. And that is unnecessary. You know, Thornton yes. Wilde said, be yourself. Everyone else is taken. Right. I love that quote. You know, whatever you are, be you. That's be a good one. And I think, isn't that uh, Abraham Lincoln, I think, said that or a version of that anyway. Yeah, other, yeah. And, and <laughs> look at how impactful he was. He was the other person I was going to put down as someone that inspired me. Um, the reason was that in January 1 of 1863, during the Civil War, the third year, he freed the slaves. Mm. That was a very controversial topic. And so he was a brave soul mm-hmm. and he understood everyone had cracks. Right. And if he hadn't understood that, he wouldn't have tried to work all this out because it was part of the whole Civil War issue. Right. So very interesting. Um, a person way back then, hundred and some years ago, recognized that all people are flawed. Let's try to, let's just try to get along. Absolutely. Yes. And I don't think we've had anybody who even mentioned Abraham Lincoln. So thank you for that. that, that I think uh, it's cool. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Beautiful. So we're in the Believe series right now, and we're looking at, you know, what you believe, why do you believe it, and how does that show up in your life? So what, to get us started, what do you believe? I believe a lot of things, but I first of all believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, Christian, mm-hmm. but I embrace whatever other people feel is okay for them. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you have to be Christian, but right. I am working on a book right now with um, Betty Locke Estes, and it's a very raw and real book with 52 stories that I'm illustrating mm-hmm. about. Um, people's lives Mm. and what comes into your lives and how you cope with that. And is it, how do you get through some of these really very difficult raw options that happen to people and that no one really asks for. So we have, you things happen to you, right? Yes. And and so many people then we've all seen it. Um, Then they think, well, it's God's fault or it's my brother's fault or it's my sister or my mother's fault. It's somebody's fault. But if you realize that everyone has issues and that everyone's in a space between where they are now and what they're going to become, and that's why we're calling the book that title right now, it changes how you believe and look at things. Mm -hmm. You start to see that there is a pattern, whether you believe in God, or I hear people say they're spiritual, whatever their words are, but it helps you diagnose and look at what's happening as not a tragedy, but maybe it's something that's going to help you. Like the people at 9-11 that I love some of the stories where they said, oh, it was my day to do bagels. So I ran 20 minutes late. My child was home with the flu. I couldn't come in that day. 
And right. you, there were a lot of stories I read, which was so interesting on how they didn't have to be, or were not, pardon me, in one of the towers when it was hit. Mm-hmm. And that was a tragic loss. And, you know, so sad for all the families that lost family members. But it was also, I think, God's way of showing people that some people that just wasn't their time. Mm-hmm. And that they had uh, a diversion and they were taken somewhere else to go get the bagels or go get the childcare or whatever happened right. to them that day, or their right. husband was homesick, whatever. People that didn't get on the plane. I read art stories and articles about that. It was fascinating. Something wow. happened and they wondered, oh, how am I going to get to my business meeting when I miss the plane? So I think that's a, a real good way to look at what you believe. Right. You know, do you believe that there is a divine in- intervention in your life? And do you believe that there is a power greater than what we understand here on earth? Mm-hmm. And can you believe in the unseen? Whatever. Ooh, right. Believing in the unseen. Yes. Which I think is really huge. I think if you can say, in my case, I would say, God is protecting me. And every time I've had a detour or taken in a direction that I thought, why am I here? It's like when I was in corporate life, I was like, I'm an artist. What am I doing here? It was like (laughs) the best learning tool I ever had. Right. That was was so excellent for me to go into a discipline where you had to be buttoned up, prepared, organized. And especially it was a man's world when I was in corporate life and marketing. And you had to, the women had to work harder than the men, not anything against guys, love you guys. But that was that era that was the glass ceiling era. And that's corporate life taught me a lot on how to deal with life and how to believe in my source of strength. Right. Well, a few things based on everything you've said, which just fantastic. So many wonderful, brilliant points in there. One, I want to commend you on um, sharing your faith also equally commend you for making it very clear that you recognize other people have their own journey and you're not trying to, we talk about this on the show, you know, clobber anybody, hit them over the head, cajole, you know, criticize all those sorts of images and thoughts. I, I respect that and appreciate that so much because everybody has to arrive, you know, at their own place and their own time in their own way. So great, brilliant there. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention was you were talking about 9-11 and that God used that. And I, I want to ask you, are you saying that you believe God allowed 9-11 as opposed to God caused 9-11? Well, God gives us free will. Yes. That's a yes. So I believe that God gives people free will. I don't think he caused 9-11. I believe it happened and he let it happen for whatever we don't know behind the scenes. I think some Mm -hmm. of these big issues like that, you never really know. Oh, you know, know, these little, I call facets of the story, right? Little teeny parts of it. And then, you know, what maybe journalists or, you know, news people fill in the void a little bit to make it a great story, but Mm -hmm. you don't really know. And I believe that it was uh, an awakening. Not that there's bad guys and good guys. It's that there was some relationship issues between the countries. Mm-hmm. And this is how it unraveled. Yes. I, 
I appreciate the distinction between God allowing something to happen and God causing something to happen because for my, for me anyway, I feel that this is one of the areas where Christianity or, you know, people who profess to be Christians get a bad name is that, you know, God used God. No, let me clarify. God caused that to happen. You know, if you believe in God, you know that, and you believe that God is all knowing and all seeing, he knew this was going to happen. And so for me, the distinction between allowing something to happen, which is, you know, basically what you said versus he orchestrated and caused it to happen to me is a very different kind of an, an intention. And, and I agree with you. I happen to agree with you and I, on all levels in, in, um, in not wanting to force anybody to believe as I do for starters. So same there. And then also, I also happen to personally believe that, you know, he allowed it to happen, but didn't cause it to happen. And that you're right. There's something that happens between our free will and the will of God that just somehow is intertwined together. And, and you're right. We don't understand it. It is a mystery. It's fun to ponder. Right. <laughs> I, I like a good ponder. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think the older I get anyway, the more comfortable I am with the thought that, oh, that's a mystery. And that's going to be a mystery. And I, I am ready to sit in the unknowing better than I used to be at a younger age. Right. And to accept that he will use it for the betterment of whatever person or situation, even though it was a tragic, tragic, I don't want anyone to think I'm not embracing what those families went through and what the children that were born after 9-11, that the wives that were pregnant and how sad and awful that was to be alone at that time. I am so empathetic to that, but I do also believe that when you get free will, then things will happen. Mm -hmm. And it's, and maybe it's just something, some lesson God is showing you, like, you know, when we're difficult and can't get along, then maybe God's trying to say, Hey, come on, folks, let's get along here. Let's let's make peace. Everybody, like I said, everyone has the cracks. Why can't we just be neutral? But it's, it's hard because we all have opinions and he does give us free will. So sometimes you you go down a path that maybe isn't the healthiest one for you to go down. Right. Right. And now how yes, how did how does your Christianity, the fact that you believe in God, Father, uh, you said Father, Son, Father, Son, and, and Holy Ghost. Yeah. Yes. How does that show up in your life? It shows up every day, and I'm not perfect. I just always want to say out there, and you're like, <laughs> oh gosh. Well, let me turn around and show you some of my cracks. I got some real nice ones on the backside. <laughs> <laughs> But I, it shows up because that is where I want to come from. My intention is every day to whatever happens to show grace, whether someone mm. cuts me off, you know, trying to get my car into some something small like that, all the way to situations where people have not been fair by me or have disrespected something or whatever it is that's a human emotion. Mm-hmm. I want that grace. And the love of humanity, like I have, that's why I like relational. I want people to know that I'm not there to point out their flaws. I'll be the Mm -hmm. first to point out my flaws. And I hope we can get to know each other if there's a reason for us to get to know each other. And I want to give you that safe space to talk to me, to get to know me and not make it 
something that's a competition. Like your cracks oh. are tinier. My crack isn't as tiny. I mean, I don't want it to ever be a competition. I just want it to be a real equalizer for a good relationship. Those are the, the beautiful beginnings of a relationship, you know, cultivating safety and, um, you know, letting that other person know, you know, I am safe. This is a safe place. I, you know, to build that trust that you talked about earlier as being so important to really the foundation of a healthy, um, desirable relationship. And I think when you're um, in a relationship with God, that you want to work on that. I think that would be a very probably common theme if people wanted to get raw and real. I feel it's hard for people now in the um, time that we're living, because as we talked earlier, you know, everyone looks beautiful on Facebook or Instagram and their lives are charmed and, you know, and I'm sure they are, but it, but if you're in a relationship, then people will share in a trusting manner when they know that you will protect their information and that you're just there for them, and that they want to share something that might be controversial, you're not, you're not going to use that in any way at all that would ever hurt them. Right, right. And I feel that's why God called us that we need to be in relationships, we need to be relational, that we're humans. And I think if anything, COVID, for me, the hardest part was not getting to see people, Mm. or going to my exercise class and seeing all my buddies. And, you know, so many of the things that you just took for granted, and then it was taken away from you. And then you realize, oh, it it is about everybody else too. It's not just about me. It's right. about being in a relationship and getting to know people and that you are able to enjoy that with them. And mm-hmm. I think that was one of the big takeaways for me from COVID. It, yes, it was tragic. And again, a lot of people died and there was a mm-hmm. lot of illness and hospitals and the nurse, nursing staff and the first responder folks. I felt very, very sorry for them because they were in a very difficult spot and then they had to go home to their families in the evening. And I'm sure there was a lot of worry about conveying it, the disease um, or the, and, but when we look at that, that's what God calls us to is to be relational and be together and, and to not find the differences in all of, you know, like I have on a, black shirt today and you have on a white shirt, does that make us a different person? Are we, you know, not to find our differences, but to find our common space. Yeah. We have more in common than we are different. Correct. Would you agree with that? That's what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's You just have to work to find that. Yes. And you have to be obviously willing and want to work to find that. Yes. And then I think, I'm sorry, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say that should be your goal is to not find the differences, but to find your commonality. I like that. That should be the goal. Yes, to find the things we have in common. Beautiful, beautifully said. Is there anything you want to say in conclusion? Well, this is really fun. I really appreciate <laughs> you know you um, seeing me that day at Piatti's and that we were able to connect. And I would love to come on and talk a little more about my book because I think the book is going to be something that'll change a lot of people's lives as far as it's a more secular devotional, um, for lack of a better word. And with all the non-representational art, it'll be very interesting to see how we're going to do some focus groups to see how people respond because it's not the kind of um, biblical art or you would expect at all. Right. Okay. So tell us one name of the, remind us the name of the book. Oh, the name and of the book. Two, okay, go yeah. ahead. 
The name of the book right now is The Space Between. The Space Between. Okay, you were talking about that earlier, and I wanted to just clarify that that's the name of the book, The Space Between. It's not out yet. You're still working on it. And tell us what non-representational art is. Non-representational art is evoking emotions. So the it's easiest way to talk about it is it's abstract. Okay. So it's not, it doesn't look like anything. It's like paint. And this is a beautiful thing. When people paint a tree and it looks like a tree, that's called representational art, but non-representational art comes from the emotions of either reading something and how the story made you feel. And that's done with color and movement of the brush and mm. it'll be vibrant colors or maybe sad colors or maybe happy colors. And it'll have like a lot of lively movement. When I paint, it's almost like a dance, the way I use the brush. I used to paint like everybody else did. I was classically trained. But now I use the brush as an extension of dance and emotion. Mm. And it just moves over the paper. It's not, it's unintentional, but it's creating the mood that the story evoked. Wonderful. Beautiful. So 52 weeks. So is that a story a week? It's a story a week. We designed it so it possibly could be like for a, a book group and it has a lot of controversy. Okay. Stuff that very, I'll uh, just give you the teaser, very raw, very real. Um, the author is Betty Block Estes and it's an interesting story how we met. Um, her husbands were rowers and we read a, a met at a rowing event and uh, got talking and it is really fascinating what's coming together. Wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, I look forward and I know listener, I I have been invited to meet Betty when she comes into town. Yes. So we're going to chat with Betty and then uh, yes, let's have you either on together or separate or whatever you, whatever you'd like, because that does sound like a, a, um, I'm trying to think of the right way to describe this project. It's very unique. It's very um, thoughtful. I mean, a lot of thought has gone into, uh, you know, sort of keeping it unique and being able to reach out to all kinds of people, not, you know, the audience is not specified. It's, it's meant to be for everyone. It's meant to speak, whether, you know, you believe in even Buddha or whatever your belief system is, Mm -hmm. you still, this will speak to you because the art doesn't it doesn't confine your mind. I like to say it lets your mind explore. <laughs> it lets your mind think about it on many levels. Well, Not- I can't wait to see it. I really can't. It sounds very interesting. And, and, you know, we love stories. I, I really believe that we are, we are c- completely created to love stories. We exactly. love. And that's how Jesus, you know, when he was preaching, he always, it was always around a parable or a beatitude. It was like a little quick story Mm -hmm. of what to consider. And this is sort of that same idea. um, Not that we're affiliated with Jesus, but that it's short, real and raw stories that will make you ponder how you think about other people, what might've happened to somebody else, you know, in one of these hard situations and how did you respond? Mm. And how did you look at it? Or how did you help them or not help them? Or it's just introspective, I think might be a good word. Every person is going to see something different in it. 
based on what they've been through in life. And it'll be interesting how that art then pulls them to think about it even more because it's not like, if it's a sad story, it's not a picture of someone crying, just to be very generic. But it's about the colors and the sadness maybe that that story brought to that person and how I weave that together with Betty's writing to create this really wonderful atmosphere to recalibrate yourself. And say, wow, would I ever respond to that same way now that I have this insight? That is fascinating. And I, I, I'm, I really am, the, the more we talk about it, the more eager I am to get my hands on, on the book. The well, book. It, it's, um, we're getting there and uh, we're now just in the editing and I'm in the repainting of some of the things that I wanted, maybe more color, less color, no more movement, less movement. It's... Um, very interesting. And it's a super uh, way to rewire your mind. Mm-hmm. I believe everyone should get rewired, make new neurological pathways, and not just keep going down the same road, just because that's the easiest way to get to the grocery store, or that's the easiest way to get somewhere is that to rethink how you respond, and to rethink what would be maybe a better response. That's good. That's very, very good. And and well said too. It, it's, you know, creating new ways to, to look at things. Very right. Good. And as, and as people, you know, age, or if they're of a certain group of people and they want to think just very, you know, black and white, this, this gives them the latitude to say, it's okay to levitate over your desk and think of new ideas. You don't have to do it the way, you know, your mom or your sister or your brother or other people did it. That's okay for them. Well, how are you going to do life? Right. Oh, I, I can't wait to see it. I really can't. Well, thank you for being with us today, Lindsay. This has been an, an enriching, fulfilling conversation. I appreciate all that you brought to the conversation simply by being yourself. And it, it's, oh, you. that's how, you know, that's, as, I mean, it just doesn't, for me, it's not an, it's simple, and but it's the best, like be you, be right. you. Everyone yeah. else is taken. Everyone else is <laughs> That's right. Well, thank All right. You. Thanks, Lindsay. Thanks so much. Okay. I am eager for the collaboration between Lindsay and Betty. The book, The Space Between, sounds very inspirational as it reveals the stories of others and all their beauty and pain. The addition of Lindsay's art will no doubt be impactful as we feel all the feels of the people who dare to share a piece of themselves with us. I know I learned about myself and this life by hearing the experience of others. The Unabashed You website has a page for each guest filled with photos, quotes, and a blog with embedded audio at unabashedyou.com. You can find the show on other podcast platforms. Want to lend your support and encouragement? We invite you to subscribe, follow, rate, review, and share. On Instagram and Facebook, you can find us under Unabashed You. If you want to connect, the email is unabashedyou at gmail.com for questions, comments, and anything else. If you want to be part of our weekly emailing list highlighting the week's episode, give us a shout. We'd be happy to add you, and your info will never be shared. Website visits, social media, and word of mouth in sharing these episodes makes us discoverable, so thanks for your support there. We want these conversations to help you think, celebrate who you are, and move you in some way.
Be encouraged as you continue to listen, read, and be inspired. And now our blessing. May you live a long life full of gladness and health. With a pocket full of gold is the least of your wealth. May the dreams you hold dearest be those which come true. The kindness you spread keep returning to you. Amen. And that is an Irish blessing. You know what comes next. Come on now. Be unabashed. Be you.